Welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh, heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. So today we're doing our third episode of our special series on raising daughters. Uh, what what topic are we going to try to put under the, the microscope and examine today? We, we're talking today about these subtleties that get into the home for daughters uh, in the way of perhaps giving her a sense of helplessness or dependency. Um, you know, most of this series, I think, is about uncovering some things that maybe dads might not have examined that are just so much a part of the culture or values that we're raised with, um, subtleties that get in that we've never really examined. It's not a call to be, you know, a jerk. You know, I mean, of course, a daughter can, you know, get help from a father just, uh, just like anybody. But there is perhaps a pattern that we want to expose around daughters being seen as more of the helpless member of the family in these very small ways. So that's where we're going. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a son. And well, I guess I was a son. I'm an orphan now. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it's like to, to grow up as, as a daughter. Well, what are some of the things that, that you, you have in mind? Well, I'll give you just a small example. Um, here's an example of something that may seem harmless that perhaps might need some examining. So say the family is going on a vacation and, Things are getting packed, and the dad just automatically grabs the daughter's suitcase um, and packs it in the car, whereas maybe the son takes his own suitcase to the car. Um, or, you know, maybe there is no son, but the dad comes up as the daughter is struggling down the stairs with the suitcase, and he says, let me get that, and he takes it from her. Now, you know, in some respects or regard, it could just be a conscientious move. She's having a hard time. Um, and, you know, I don't want to completely discourage that, of course, but this happens more often than not with daughters, that somehow these messages are getting in that she needs more help or she can't do it herself. And that's just a small example. So, I mean, it, it seems like you're getting at that there's an underlying sense that, um, you know, if there's a son or if there's a boy, he can handle it, but the girl, she needs to be protected or shielded. She, she can't handle it. Yeah. And, I, you know, this... I think this comes back to, at times, a value that maybe men might hold. We talked before, it was on the Mansplaining 2.0 podcast um, a few podcasts ago about this idea of chivalry. Did I say that right? Chivalry? Yeah. So, um, you know, and what it's like to be a man who, you know, maybe not just takes his daughter's suitcase out to the trunk, but takes his wife's too, or his partner's too. Um, which, you know, you kind of got to parse through that a bit because I think there is some value of I'm going to help, which I think is really a good value. 
but what is this distinction that we make between men and women that is a promotion of helplessness um and certainly it can be a promotion of helping but you know i think it gets translated sometimes into this idea that there's an expectation that the girl needs more help than the boy so here's what's funny i think so much of this is just an outcropping of how we think of women as the weaker sex and I'm, I'm not so maybe in the the field of battle um you know when people were still wielding swords like maybe it could have been true in that very small narrow niche yeah like muscle mass you know men have more yeah let, okay i mean let's so upper body that's true um, but, but let's say this, I mean, for, for, in some ways that doesn't matter, right? So if we, we look at hand to hand combat, it's probably true that you might call, I mean, and it's qualified. Like I wouldn't take on Ronda Rousey any day of the week. Um, but, but in hand to hand combat, let's say that that's sort of true. Um, that generally women might be the weaker sex. For so long, we've done warfare with things like bows and arrows and catapults where, I don't know, like it, that yeah, like that, that strength advantage disappears once you have projectile weapons. Right. And I think that's the point. I mean, if you're thinking of a man overcoming a woman or a woman overcoming a man in maybe something like a deviant, like pet predatory way, the woman is going to be at a disadvantage because of sheer strength. So I agree. In hand-to-hand combat, which to me seems like a very narrow way to define the weaker sex, when in almost every other realm, there's some equivalence because they're tools, Mm -hmm. right? Like humans are are weaker than, I don't know, elephants, but we can dominate elephants not because, you know, not because we're stronger, but because we've we've learned tools. Sure, yeah, I get that, yeah. So it just seems to me that there's a very narrow sense of where women are the weaker sex, but culturally it's being encoded where they're weaker everywhere. Like what you were talking about, suitcases or the ability to, I mean, even feeble-minded, right? Like you can't do this math for such a long time. Like that Mm -hmm. was how people thought about women. And I think it's an outcropping of a very narrow sort of range of human behavior where men can dominate women. Um, But in every other... In every, every other realm, there's just an equivalence. There's an equivalence of form. Um, even the labor of women, you know, how laborious it could be in so many, uh, well, I was going to say in underdeveloped countries, but even even in developed countries, uh, women do a lot of labor that is not counted in, you know, in terms of how we count labor. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're not doing it. But because their labor is invisible, that is to say, because it's not counted, I think it sort of perpetuates this idea of the weaker sex. And it's just like, sure. Only if we get in a fight. Yeah. Well, and you know, we live in a pretty patriarchal society here in this, this country. Um, you know, I was doing a little bit of looking up around, you had mentioned chivalry before, like how that got going. And it actually referred to the lifestyle and the moral code followed by medieval knights. Um, and this code be kind of became a conduct for medieval warriors. And then it started getting passed on to like social conditions. Um, and this is kind of what we're working with today. I guess it, it really became passed down into like romance society, like men taking care of women through this uh, 
you know, through literature, like Knights of the Round Table. There's this old myth, I guess, that Queen Elizabeth was walking and some lord threw down a cloak over a puddle. You know, this is kind of touted as like the this chivalrous act and started to then become seeping in as this is the this is the admired value. Right. Um, and these are kind of the things that we've adopted in our culture from, you know, medieval times, you know, lords having to follow this particular code of conduct you know, how strong they were, how brave they were. And now we've kind of adopted those and just kind of roll with it. We don't really even question it so much. And I, you know, I, I guess there was a place, so it sounds to me like you're saying that that is like this sort of leftover, like, I, I guess we've talked before how slowly culture moves. Uh, culture moves very slowly uh, and the societal progress moves at, at quite a different speed. Um but I guess you're saying that really what we have here is a vestige of a very old system where women were married off and nobody showered ever and <laughs> uh, men challenged each other to, to duels and things like that. Dueling of honor, yes. It's all that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's been a long, it's been a long time since, uh, you know, I haven't been in a duel in, you know, since I was probably 15. That's how long it's been. Well, I guess, you know, sometimes you got to just hang up your coat of arms. So where does all of this lead us in terms of the topic today? Because I feel like we got... Yeah, let's get back there. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good setup, right? Because what we're talking about is things that we have gotten that have infiltrated into our society that we've not really pulled apart. And that's what we're doing. We're pulling this apart. So this idea of chivalry, you know, we know that that still exists. Like you said, you know, it's been ages now. Right. So if that's the case and we have these cultural leftovers, um, to me, it doesn't. I mean, what's the harm? And none of this seems like it's a bad thing. Well, the harm for the girl is it affects and can affect her psychological sense of her um, agency or self-efficacy. Um, there's a sense of if the girl feels that she's gotten this message of incapability um, and it's been passed on to her by, you know, whether or not, you know, something as small as she can carry the luggage or change the tire or um, do the math problem, that that uh, on some level she starts to adopt this understanding that maybe she needs somebody maybe you know when something happens she does call somebody or she finds the guy to change the tire or the dad to call if she needs to hang a shelf um and i think that that's harmful yeah you know i think part of the 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 push that we have in stem today for girls is actually an outcropping of this i mean to some degree it's it's what you might consider a concept creep uh, which is, or, you know, idea creep, which is when I, idea really sort of pushes past its original boundaries. If we see this hand-to-hand combat, uh, you know, if we see women as the weaker sex, and then that idea creeps into all these different areas, including, you know, um, intellectually, mm-hmm. um, then we wouldn't have the, this sort of problem that we have, um, you know, around girls in STEM today if this concept didn't uh, about being weaker and less capable and less able didn't creep into all of these areas so it sounds to me like you're saying that whether we're conscious of it or not that the way that we 
parent um, daughters with this eye towards them being less capable starts to creep into all types of areas of their life. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, we had mentioned on last week's podcast, we were talking about, um, you know, girls, you know, not dismantling a girl's body when she leaves a house um, around like appropriate dress um, for reasons of maybe safety or just, you know, the dad or the parent having this kind of intuitive sense that this may not be right. But again, we're back to kind of a language or a concept of how to navigate that with the kid or the daughter. Um, You know, there are, you know, as we described last week, sometimes feelings of inappropriateness. You know, if the kid, the daughter wants to take, you know, public transportation at 1230 or night and she's 15 or... Um, you know, she does, does want to take the cross-country trip alone. And there's worry, there worry, there's worry about her safety that may be sometimes a little bit different than the safety of a boy because girls and boys do move in the world at times differently. But I think what's really significant in those moments is to not present the conundrum as a gender, you know, you can't do this. You're a girl. What you, you know? What's what is a girl? A 15 year old girl. What what kind of business does she have taking the subway at 12:30 at night? That's already informing her that somehow there's something about her intrinsically that gives her less self-efficacy or agency out there in the world. There can be a breakdown of how to to, to talk about this, but maybe we do it realistically and logically and weigh the pros and cons and don't just give her this blanket idea that somehow being a girl is going to leave her in a puddle of helplessness in the world. So with a a clear sense of what not to do, I mean, what should we be, what should we be doing instead? I think there, you know, to, as the expression goes, to mind our P's and Q's. (laughs) By that, I mean to consider all the ways that you jump in for your daughter as a father. Um, And why? Why are you jumping in? I mean, sometimes it could be this, you know, what you call the culture creep, you know, the chivalry that somehow the man is supposed to be rescuing. Um, and to consider that, you know, why are you re- rescuing? Um, is this necessary? And can she do it herself? Sometimes it is necessary and that's okay. So I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But I think there is this these moments of what we should be doing is to really consider how we're setting this kid up for her own degree of help of being able to be less helpless in the world or not helpless in the world. There's a, this reminds me of, um, there was a a court case between, I think it was Wisconsin versus a Yoder. Um, and the, the Amish wanted to, they wanted to take their kids out of school, um, so that they would be functionally, Handicapped and incapable of working in society. And, uh, you know, the U.S. government said, no, we're not going to let you take your kids out of school. Like, your kids got to go to school. Uh, the Amish was, you know, the, the Amish were. Like, um, I was going to do an Amish voice, but I don't even know what Amish people sound yeah, like. Yeah, I don't think that's necessary anyway. But it would have been great. <laughs> I think it's high German uh, accent, but yeah. It's, yeah. Well, you probably could do it. Nein, nein, I don't think it's German. 
Well, German is different. It is. It's high German. Uh, yeah. A form of high German. That's what they speak. That's I, what the Amish speak. I don't think so. But, um, but, but, but the, the court case, Yoder, um, what, what the Amish essentially wanted, and, and there was a compromise. Uh, there was a compromise between um, the U.S. government. This went to the Supreme Court. Uh, the compromise was that the Amish could take their kids out of school during the sixth grade. Right. You know, after sixth grade. And the thinking was they get some education, but they would still be functionally illiterate. And, I mean, they'd be barely literate, but they'd be so poorly equipped to interact with the larger economy of the United States that they would be uh, effectively isolated. Mm-hmm. Which is what the Amish elders wanted. Uh, and, and I think about this in this particular context because, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about at the very beginning that different parents want different things for their daughters. But, uh, you know, if, if it's our job as parents to equip our children with as many tools as possible, you know, does it make sense to essentially intentionally handicap your daughter? Uh, by withholding information or not teaching um, in the way that you might teach a son? Does it make sense to uh, intentionally handicap a child that has to go out in the world and, and be a full adult? That's right. Yeah, and this gets seeped, this this message, I think, gets so seeped in. I know I've said that a few times already, but I think that's what is so um, important about paying attention to this because it can be so subtle. You know, another example would be something like, you know, father joking around about how this daughter who starts, you know, becoming a young woman needs protection. Um, you know, you, you'll hear these like tropes, these, you know, dads will say something like, yeah, you know, now I'm going to have to get my gun because, look, she's becoming a young lady or, you know, not, you know, no boys coming over here and entering my house and wait till the, he, has, he has to go through me first. Um, all the way up into these old traditions of, you know, and I know that some people think this might be really sweet, but, you know, the the man asking for permission from the father to marry the daughter. Um, you know, we can get into so many things here, but... You know, these things that we might consider to be very normal in terms of um, how society reacts to a young girl, um, is it the most damaging thing in the world? Pro- well, probably not. But if this message is given over and over and over again, what do you think psychically a girl is going to interpret about her ability or how much she might need somebody like a man, bigger, stronger, more capable. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the thing about boys because that's actually going to be the topic of our next show. And so it give us something to, to talk about next week. So wrapping up this show then, um, as we continue on this series of dads and daughters, uh, there's a little um, hint for our show for next week. So thanks for tuning in and we'll keep going. <laughs>